Welcome to the New Work Revolution podcast on NewWorkRevolution.com. Take your business leadership to the next level and join the revolution. Here's your host, Brandon Allen. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and get started. I uh, want to thank everyone who is uh, here now and who is listening to the recording of this group training later. Um, in today's topic, I wanted to talk about emotional intelligence. And, and emotional intelligence is so important in leadership, and it's often an overlooked aspect of, of a leadership of leadership and, and what uh, people are trying to accomplish within their business. And so first thing I want to do is I want to kind of just show you the difference between what is IQ and what is EQ. So IQ measures your cognitive intelligence, and this is, you know, we determine these by IQ tests, and this measures your ability to do math, your problem-solving skills, your word usage, and things like that. And that defines your IQ. And you can have a very high IQ but still be deficient in what we call EQ, which is emotional intelligence. Um, and we're going to go through that today. And so we're going to talk a little bit about how we help people. There's three big concepts that I want to talk about tonight. The first one is helping people feel like they are needed. The second one is connecting. And the third one are just some basic tools for emotional intelligence, and we're going to go through uh, several tools that talk about this. And I want to start today with a quote from John Maxwell that I think is so powerful, and it's, to add value to others, one must first value others. And that's really at the heart of emotional intelligence. And so the first concept that I want to talk about is one of the things we can do as emotionally intelligent leaders is help people feel like they're needed. And... This can show up in a lot of different ways. Now, one of the things that probably very first comes to mind as we talk about this is delegation. Okay, so I'm going to delegate uh, tasks, and, and I'm going to help people feel important with that. Well, that could be it. Uh, sometimes, though, when we delegate, we relegate, um, which creates a situation very opposite to what we're trying to create when we're trying to help and support people. So, so how do we help people feel like they're needed? And the, the key concept to think about here is when your vision gets bigger, you can either give up or you can get help. And we have to realize that the way that we help people feel like they're, they're needed is to actually rely on them and actually show them that we do need them and, and really understand that people are what's going to help us get our business to the next level as leaders. Um, one of the things that I've seen studies on and that, uh, is very important is that people are more productive and creative when they feel needed. So what kinds of tasks are you are you delegating to your team? How are you getting people involved in the big picture? And when was the last time that you asked for help? And, and this is really a, a, this is a problem that many of us, including myself, uh, really struggle with at times. It's asking for help. It's just going to someone and say, hey, you know what, I'm struggling with this. I need help, or hey, uh, we're not getting the results in, in the business that I would like. Uh, I really need your help in, in, in getting us there. And, and so helping people feel like they're needed is, is uh, one way that, that we can really express emotional intelligence at a high level. The second thing is connecting. And, and connecting is one of those things that I was brought up in the old school, and one of the first pieces of advice that I got from my 
from one of my vice presidents in the company that I worked for was, Brandon, you don't ever become friends with your employees. Don't befriend your employees. They said, hey, hold them out here. Don't let your employees get too close to you. And so I followed that advice. And when I got promoted, my very first time at the age of 24, I was running a $7 million operation. I had uh, a handful of employees. They were all women. And uh, and I tried to hold them out at, at, from a distance, and I never connected with them. I didn't ask about them, how their family was doing, what what you know, what they were up to, what they cared about. I never asked any of those questions of those people. So one thing happened about a year and a half into my management assignment. My office was struggling. I was doing really poorly. And my concern became, am I going to get fired? Now, on top of all this, I had just gotten married about a year prior to that. I moved my wife out to Pueblo, Colorado, in, in southern Colorado, in a town of about 100,000 people, a, a place completely unfamiliar to either one of us. And so here I am thinking, my team is underperforming, and, and my attitude there was that my team sucked. The reason why our team was under, underperforming was our team sucked. It wasn't my fault. It was my team's fault. But I'm sitting here worried about, I'm going to get fired. I move my wife out here. She's going to think she made the wrong choice and she married. And I'm really a loser. And I decided, though, that rather than worry, rather than worry about that, I was going to do something about it. The first thing I did is I went to my team, and I talked to them about what was going on and what, what was happening. And I talked to someone. I will never forget this person. Her name is Joyce Police. Joy had been with the company for longer than I'd been alive. She's been a star performer, all these different things within the company. And I asked her, I sat down with her, I said, Joy, shoot me straight. What am I doing wrong? What, why are we not getting the results that I think we can get? She looked me right in the eye and she said, do you really want to know? And I looked at her and I said, yeah, I want to know. She's like, you really want to know? And I said, give it to me straight. She looked at me and she's like, we hate you. So that was something that it was like it was like getting punched in the gut. I mean, when you look at someone, you work with them for an extended period of time, and they look at you and they say, we don't like you. And my first reaction was to throw her out of the office and tell her she was fired because I was pissed. But what I did instead is I sat there for a second, and I thought about what she just said. And the words out of my mouth to her were, why? Why is this the case? And she basically looked me in the eye and said, I, we don't think that you give a shit about us. I, we don't think that you care. And I thought about that, and I thought, boy, is what she's saying true? And I thought about that, and I realized that it was exactly true. I don't know that I really valued my team. I, I, I had no value really in them. What I was trying to do was get something from them rather than give something to them as a result of being under my leadership. And so I switched that around, and I decided that, you know what, I'm going to connect with people. So when people started inviting me to birthday parties, I started going. I had people over to my house for a barbecue. All these different things that I started doing, we would have a cocktail uh, Friday night. Friday night we'd go out and have a cocktail after work. All these different things I started doing, well, the funny things happened, and I didn't just change the way I connected. I did other things to help me get results. 
But I took the exact same team that uh, basically hated me, and within a year's time, without changing anyone, changing myself, and connecting went into this, I took that team from being a poor-performing team where I thought I was going to get fired to being one of the best-performing offices in the entire country and, and, being one of the, and getting the highest rating that I can get as a manager and subsequently got promoted um, as a result of that. And I know a big part of that was connecting. And this is what has allowed me to really connect with employees every single year. And, and I do that by just some simple things. I do it by having people over to my house so that they know that we're human. And why is this so important? A lot of people will tell you, don't ever have employees over to your house. Don't do that. Why are you having people over to your house? That's crazy. But the problem is, is when you're a business owner and you're a high-level person, what people think about you is that you're a robot or you're somehow less than human. And why they think that is because they see all this achievement and they just look at you and they think, I can never be that person. When you have people over to your home, it tells them that you're just a regular person that has pictures of your family in your house, that has a barbecue out in the backyard, that has dog crap on the back lawn that needs to be picked up, that, uh, you know, that has toys, you know, in the house that need to be picked up from your kids, all these different things just like your team. And it, re- and, it, and it puts you guys on a different plane of understanding, and now you become a human being. Other simple things, go to lunch with people, get coffee. One of the things I used to love to do when we had a quick break is, is uh, and I don't do this so much anymore, but take people for a soda. Uh, in fact, just the other day with the team that I lead for a company, uh, I actually took some people over to the taco stand, and we got uh, some, some delicious, healthy um, taco uh, tacos from the taco stand uh, that's right outside of our office. Uh, just And that's a time for us to just connect for a few minutes and get to ask, hey, how are things going? How are you doing? Uh, what are you running into? What are some things that I can help you with? How can I connect with those people? Um, going bowling, having cocktails. I talked about that. These are all ways that you can connect. But some other great tools to connect are to ask people what their goals are and create plans to help them reach those goals. Um, what are some things that you can do to help your team reach their goals? How can you get them to the next level in their career? That's a great way to connect. Why? Because now they know that you care about more than what you can give to them and, and you want to show them what you can give to them as a result of them working with you. And here's the thing with connection, and I've run into this recently with, with, with some different clients that I've worked with, is when you don't connect with people and you criticize them or you have some criticism about their job, they take that much more harshly and more irrationally when you don't have a relationship with them than when you do. I mean, this is the same thing that, you, you know, you think about some of the things that your spouse may say to you. And you think, man, you would never say that to someone else. But you say it to your spouse and you can get away with it because your spouse knows that deep down you love them and you have their best interests at heart. Well, I want my team to know the same thing. And connecting is a huge part of emotional intelligence because it lets them know that, you know what, I value you as a human being. I care about you and I'm caring enough to ask questions about your life and, and, and I care enough to spend some time with you outside of a work environment. So connecting is a big part of what that looks like. 
So content, content number three is about tools for emotional intelligence. intelligence. And there's a lot of different things I want to get into with this. So the first thing that I want to get into is empathy. Empathy is a great tool for emotional intelligence. In fact, if you can't empathize with people, which is feeling with others, not feeling for them, okay, that's sympathy, but just really connecting with where they're at. And, and one of the, 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 the thoughts that I put around with empathy is meeting people where they're at. We have to realize that not everyone's where we're at. And this is one of the biggest problems that I had with the, with the manager. So I shared where I struggled with this area and, and how people didn't like me. Well, the biggest problem that I had with people and what I wanted to do with the manager is when I got promoted, I just wanted everyone to be like me. I wanted them to care like I care. I wanted them to work like I work. I wanted them to see things the way I saw them. I wanted them to approach their day the way I approached my day. I wanted them to sound the same way on the phone to people. I just wanted everyone to be exactly like me. And the reality was is people weren't going to be me. There was things that people were good at that I wasn't good at. There's things that I was just good at that other people weren't. And when I decided to celebrate people's differences and meet them where they're at and walk along the journey with them and put myself in their shoes and what they need, it created a whole different world of possibilities. And empathy is so important if we want to be high-level leaders who have a high level of emotional intelligence. And the whole takeaway here is that not everyone is like you, and that's okay. Um, in fact, if we really think about it, do we really want a bunch of people in our business that are exactly like us? Probably not. I, I would bet that it's probably not. Uh, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't work out to be a great scenario. I know that to be true for myself. The, the second tool is self-management. And, and really how I define self-management is the ability to delay gratification and the ability to avoid impulse-driven behavior and decision-making. So if you want to have a high level of emotional intelligence, how well are you managing yourself? Are you delaying gratification and, and avoiding impulse-driven behavior? And what does this look like? And how does this create problems for our team? And, and I've had uh, several calls with clients about situations where they create stressful environments for their team because they're always doing something new. Today it's one thing, tomorrow it's another. Hey, what we were doing last week, we're going to scrap that and we're going to go in a totally different direction this week. Or the, delay, the lack of, a, of our ability to delay instant gratification means that we do things like procrastinate or we put things off. We don't handle important tasks in the moment like we should and we do other things instead. You know, we, hey, we should be working on the business, but instead we go golfing or we, uh, you know, just kind of sit around and, and hang out and don't do anything or we work on things that don't matter. Um, so our ability to manage ourselves is really actually a tool for emotional intelligence. The better you are at that, the higher your EQ goes. The, the next tool is initiative, and that's the ability to really see what needs to happen and address and take the responsibility to, to make that thing happen constructively. And, and initiative is so important with emotional intelligence. When we see problems, we need to address those problems. And probably the biggest area where we need to take initiative, and I've talked about this a lot, is within confrontation. A lot of times we don't confront issues with people until it either becomes a big issue 
where we then explode and we get pissed and we say things that we regret, or we just don't say anything and then we sit down with them and have a conversation and we're like, hey, John, you know what? You're fired. And they're looking at you like, what? I'm fired. I didn't even know I was doing poorly. But initiative is what, you know, our lack of initiative creates that. And so we really need to teach initiative. And confronting behavior is a huge part of that. When we see certain things that happen that we know that we need to address, we need to address those things right away. So initiative is is another tool. Another tool is self-awareness. And the biggest quote, and I got this quote from 25 Ways to Win with People by John Maxwell and Liz Parrott, which is a great book on emotional intelligence. Their quote there is, your relationships can only be as healthy as you are. In fact, it's the first way to win with people is to win with yourself. And this is something that we have to be aware of. Look, if we have dysfunction and things that hold us back, which, look, we all have something, you know, that, that probably keeps us from being as successful as we can that, where we're interpersonally flawed. But, look, we're only as good for other people as we are for ourselves. And so we, we have to be self-aware. And a lot of times when we have dysfunctional relationships and, and relationship issues within our business, it's typically because there's some problem with us interpersonally or with our own uh, way of thinking, limiting beliefs or whatever, that then create that situation. So the more healthy that we can be for ourselves to address the areas that are holding us back, the better we can be for other people. So the next tool, and this is something that's so important, and if you get nothing out of what we talk about in, in this training, it's this. Uh, and this is something that was introduced to me by uh, one of our sole purpose mentors, uh, Demi. And, and Demi showed me this, and I thought, this is so true, yet I realized I had been violating the principles contained in this. And the principle is the green lens, red lens. And so let me take you through the green lens and the red lens, and then we're going to talk about them. When we look at someone through the green lens, here's the things that we see about people. Number one, this person is a hero, whole and complete. Number two, this person has dreams, goals, and a drive to make a difference. Number three, this person has his or her own answers. Number four, this person is greater than their thoughts, feelings, and conclusions. Number five, this person is contributing to me right here, right now. Number six, this person deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. So think about that. If you look at people through a green lens, what are the possibilities of power that can be created in that relationship when we do that? And this is something that I didn't do as a manager when I first started managing. I looked at people through the red lens, and let me go through the red lens. Number one, there is something wrong with this person. So when someone does something that I didn't agree with, my conclusion was there's something wrong with them. What's wrong with this person? Number two, this person does not have his or her her own answers. They don't have a clue. Okay, how many times have we said that about people that we work with? Number three, I do have the answers, and it's up to me to give this person the answers for him or her. Okay? Number four, I question this person's commitment and motivation. Number five, this person is a drain on me, and I can't wait to end this conversation. So think about this. How many times have we had an employee or someone or 
a client or whatever it is where we've looked at them through the red lens. And when we look at someone with a red lens, what are the possibilities there? The possibilities aren't very good because we're never going to give that person credit for doing what they, what they can do. And, you know, what's funny is, number three, I do have the answers, and it's up to me to give this person the answers for him or her. And my job as a coach a lot of times is to really get someone to see that they know the answers to what they're, what they're thinking or feeling. They're just not necessarily acknowledging the fact that they know that. Um, imagine if we looked at everyone as being greater than their thoughts, feelings, and conclusions. I mean, how would it look if I coached someone and they told me a, a conclusion about themselves that I knew to be untrue, but I said, yeah, you know what, you are like that. That does suck. Right? That would be disastrous if, if that's how we handled the situation. If someone had a thought or a feeling and we thought, yeah, you know what, maybe you weren't cut out for that. Maybe you should quit. Terrible, right? I mean, it, it really it really wouldn't work. Now, there's a way that maybe they, they already know the answer is to stop doing it, but we would want them to come up with that conclusion. We wouldn't want to do that for them. And, and so this is so important. Think about the green lens versus the red lens. Where are you – where can you do better? And, and so the, the whole of the green lens, red lens is, is under the, the coach. And I always say a good leader for a business is a good coach. And number one is, am I being a coach 100% with this person? So think about the interactions that you have with people. Are you coaching them for success? Or do you see things that go wrong and you just think, man, John's a screw-up. He's always going to be a screw-up. That's never going to change. Forget about it. Okay? Are you seeing the person that you're coaching is already being 100% committed to the matter in their life. So here's the thing. What gets in the way sometimes of us coaching people and using emotional intelligence is we see someone who's struggling and we make assumptions like this and we say, this person's not committed to, to, to the matter in their life. They're, they're not going to change. There's nothing that they can do about that. So how are we seeing this person? Do they have their own answers? Are they contributing to you right now? What if we look at people as always contributing to us instead of always taking from us, which is a lot of times what happens. We look at people as, you know, they're not contributing. But look, as soon as we look at someone like that and we make those assumptions, the relationship is over. There's no opportunity for growth there. And I was really appreciative of Demi for really giving me this particular tool to really articulate. And it's a good reminder. I like to keep these cards handy um, so that I can look at them when I'm coaching. Because I want to make sure that I'm being 100% with people, and I want to make sure that I'm looking at people through the green lens and not the red lens. So think about that from an emotional intelligence standpoint. Intelligence standpoint we know when we read the green lens versus the, re, the red lens, we know that what we're talking about, it makes sense. It makes sense that when we look at people through the red lens, there's no growth opportunity that can happen there. And we also know that when we look at people through the green lens, it opens up a whole world of possibilities that could be achieved as a result of doing that. So think about how you view the people that work for you and that work with you. How do we view those people? Are we viewing them as champions or are we viewing them as victims? Right? What does that look like and how can we change 
our outlook on what that looks like. Uh, a great quote uh, from, from Goethe was, uh, treat a man as he appears to be, and you make him worse. So think about that. Treat a man as he appears to be, and you make him worse. Like, treat a man as if he already were what he potentially could be, and you make him what he should be. And when we lead a team, one of the most emotionally intelligent things that we can do for our teams is to treat them as if they were where they were at, where they should be at, or where they could be at. And talking about them like they're a champion, treating them like they're a champion, and having the expectations that they're a champion. Because what happens when we don't is we look at this person, we're like, they suck, they're a failure, and then when we confront them, we're like, man, you're always screwing up, right? And, and think about this. I liken management to child-rearing in a lot of ways, not because our employees are children, but because think about how you talk to kids as you raise them up and how you support them and how you treat them. You would never say to your kid, or you shouldn't, hey, you're always screwing this up. What if they brought home a, a test where they didn't do very well on spelling? You wouldn't look at your kid and say, man, you're always screwing up your spelling test. Man, you're just, I feel like if you just take a test, you're always going to fail it. Right? I mean, we would never talk like that to a kid. Yet, we talk to adults that way. But what's different? Nothing. Okay? We want to look at these people through their potential rather than what is. Okay, so that was red lens, green lens. The next tool is asking great questions. And, and one of my favorite insights to asking great questions comes from the book of Proverbs. In fact, it's Proverbs 25. In Proverbs 25, and I'm going to use the uh, uh, NIV translation, okay, in case you're going to follow along with this later at home. But uh, Proverbs 25, 20, Verse 5 says, the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. Again, that's the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. Someone who's emotionally intelligent, the higher you raise your EQ, the more that you will use questions as a way to find out what are the true answers to what is going on with someone. There, someone's behavior, there's always deeper meaning to what's going on than what there appears to be on the surface. But what happens when we jump to conclusions, okay? Um, how often have we come down on an employee or, or really said, hey, man, you just don't have your shit together. What's your problem? Man, you're really screwing up. And then they come out and they're like, oh, my gosh, my mom has cancer. Or you know, this happened or that happened. And, and there you, have you ever confronted someone and done that and then you felt like a real jerk for jumping to conclusions about who they were as a person because they had some personal struggle going on in their life that if we had taken two seconds to rather than jump to conclusions, ask them a question about, hey, man, I noticed you haven't been yourself lately. What's going on? Then we could have found the answer to that question. Now, that's a really simple question but we'll probably elicit a pretty straightforward answer. But sometimes we have to continue to ask questions to really get to the bottom of what's going on. Because, again, people's hearts are deep waters, 
okay? And now we've got to be wise and use insight to really draw those out. And asking great questions is a part of doing that, okay? What, how can we ask great questions? And this always happens with regards to performance. When we're emotionally intelligent and we're raising our EQ, we're looking at how do we ask great questions when, when there's a, a situation of underperformance. How do I get to the bottom of what's going on with the underperformance? How do, where do we give, you know, what, what questions can we ask to really get the right answers so that we can support that person and help them do that? It, so the last tool I want to talk about is praise. And are, are you giving people praise? Are you stingy with praise? Are you giving people praise? Now, I had someone ask me a while back, of which I actually responded in a recent podcast. In fact, this podcast came out on uh, just, uh, just yesterday on when we should praise. So I talked about praise. And someone said, my gosh, do I have to praise them for doing stupid little things around the office, like, you know, showing up to work on time or just different things like that? And... The answer to that question is, well, no, not necessarily, but here's the problem. Sometimes we don't give our teams big enough things to work on that really are worthy of praise. So sometimes it's our own fault here that we don't have any praiseworthy things to say about our team because we just give them, like, all the crap that we don't want to do. Like, okay, they cleaned the bathroom. They filed some papers. Um, they showed up for work on time. They turned on the computer. They answered the call. Um, hey, good job. Well, of course, we don't want to tell people good job for showing up on time, although I may say I may recognize someone for being on time if they've shown that they've had a problem with being on time. And if I confront this behavior and said, hey, John, I need you to be on time, um, I need you to work on that, and here's why, and then he shows up on time for a week, I may point that out to him and say, hey, you know what, John, since we had our conversation, I noticed you haven't been late at all. I appreciate the fact that you really listened to our conversation and made a change. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. It seems kind of stupid because, uh, you know, a lot of the – most of the people on this call are high achievers. They're not people that need to be on time and things like that, but they can't, right? We have to understand that not everyone is us, and that's okay. we got to meet people where they're at and bring them along to where they need to go and where they want to go. And, and praise – is a great way to let people know that you're on the right track. You're doing the right things. And the more we can give out praise and not be stingy with it, uh, the more we'll connect with people and the more it will help us to raise our EQ. So as, as, we, as we talk about the tools, as we talk about emotional intelligence, think about your own leadership for the coming year. And think about what could you do differently to really connect with people on a deeper level and raise your emotional intelligence and really get your team rallied around where you're going because that's really the possibilities here. And I, I wanted to share a couple of things with regards to that. So I recently, this story just came out either today or yesterday. And the story is, is about a, a girl named Rachel who participated in a secret Santa uh, deal on Reddit. So if you're familiar with Reddit, Reddit's uh, a, an online community. It's a social network where people can post links and, and thoughts on different topics, and, and there's, a, there's a whole lot of uh, 
interaction that goes there. Well, they had a secret Santa thing that they had going on. And so Rachel asked for, um, you know, some glittery, glittery, glittery nail polish, an iPad, or just some different things to her secret Santa. So she got her secret Santa present, and it had a note. And the note said to Rachel, my secret Santa present to you is a cow. And, and she got a stuffed animal cow in the box. And, he's, and, and the note goes on to say, don't worry, you will not have to build a bar. This cow will be given to a family in need in your name through Heifer International, which Heifer International is just a, uh, a philanthropy that helps people in third world countries uh, grow in, in agriculture and, and, and commerce to kind of help help people be self-sustaining um, in terms of their ability to feed themselves. The note goes on to say it will provide them with income and dairy products and it will help them help themselves. Happy holidays. Well, in addition to the stuffed cow and this donation that was made in her name, she also gave it, got a book um, that was that, that, um, the 500 best places to visit. Uh, it was a national geographic book on world travel. And in her profile, she had talked about how she, you know, it was a lifelong goal of hers to, to, uh, to be a world traveler and to see other places. So the gift was really thoughtful. Well, the funny thing is, is this gift was from none other than Bill Gates. So Bill Gates, the founder of Microsoft, participated in this secret Santa and sent her these things. In fact, he has a picture of himself with the note with the cow, putting that in there, and, you know, and then she, she replied back to him, and it was kind of funny because she said, well, now I feel really awkward about asking you for an iPad. But, you know, but I thought, this is, you know, Bill Gates, how does Bill Gates get to where he is? And this is probably such a huge emotional, intelligent thing that he did. He sent her a thoughtful gift, and, and, and it really connected with her at a deep level. She loved the book. She loved the fact that he made a donation in her name, and it just it meant a lot to her to do that. I mean, she just raved about it. So if you Googled Reddit and Bill Gates, you, you can read about the story. It's really pretty cool. That's really a story of, you know, a leader who has a high level of emotional intelligence, and it doesn't, when you read that, it doesn't surprise you that that person got to where they wanted, that, they, that they've gotten to their life, by doing things like that. So I want to leave you with a Chinese proverb as we talk about relationships and connecting. And the proverb goes like this. If you want happiness for an hour, take a nap. If you want happiness for a day, go fishing. If you want happiness for a month, get married. Kind of sounds depressing, only a month. If you want happiness for a year, inherit a fortune. If you want happiness for a lifetime, help others. And as we talk about emotional intelligence and how important that is to your leadership and your growth in 2014, that is so true. If you want happiness for a lifetime, help others. And we do that through our business, but are we doing that at a high level for our people too? So uh, that's it for, uh, for today's training. And uh, if, you're, if you're listening to the recording and you have questions, uh, don't hesitate to 
Thanks for listening to the New Work Revolution podcast on NewWorkRevolution.com. Until next time, take your business leadership to the next level and join the revolution.